Hey guys, this is Ev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series brought to you by Yesod Blocks. Thanks so much for tuning in, for subscribing, for listening. If you're enjoying this content, as always, you can head over to yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe to our ever-growing platform of Kabbalah, Torah, Machshava, all the concepts that we've been sharing in this series, uh, essentially trying to build out the map of what Torah is, how it works, all the mechanics, who Hashem is, how Hashem manifests as reality, who we are relative to that, what is the nature of the neshama, uh, the fact that you are an endless self that is somehow manifests through a finite body and the series of stages that allows that to happen. So that's all available at yesoblocks.com. You can subscribe there today, and not only will you get access to all that Torah, but also you will be able to support what it is that we're trying to create, uh, that those subscriptions are what funds all the other projects, everything else that we're trying to do in spreading these things into the world and showing people that Torah is actually the most sophisticated system that that exists in the world uh, and it includes all other systems. And that's a pretty bold claim to make and I wouldn't be making it if I couldn't back it up. So head over there and check that out. You're welcome to subscribe and join us and join our growing community. So this series, as you may know, if you've already been listening for a while, we're doing a, a halacha every single day from the Shulchan Aruch. We're in the middle of Hilchos Brachos right now, the halachos of... Well, the section is called Hilchos Brachos, but it's really this, the, the Brachos of Tefillah, the various stages of Tefillah that, that were organized by different people over the last few thousand years to try to activate ourselves and reorient ourselves towards Hashem and towards the deeper side of existence every time that we wake up in the morning because when we're asleep at night, so what ends up happening is that we essentially become disoriented. We, we lose touch with the world. Our consciousness, our neshama, is, our very self is out of sync with the world and then we are essentially um, separated from it and, and we are experiencing ourselves more fully in the context of our connection with Hashem in a certain way, which is why the Gemara says that when you sleep, it's like it's like a taste of death. Um, and so what we're doing is we then come back into our into our bodies and into being the manifestation of ourselves into the world through our bodies. And then we have to undergo this entire process of reorienting ourselves towards Hashem and actually and, and towards the world in a way that allows for our awareness of Hashem's presence in the world. So you can think of it as like if you think of it as consciousness and which is completely intangible and immeasurable, trying to interact with the physical world, which is completely tangible and measurable. So we have these two opposite things. We have these two opposite entities. And so when they, colla- when, they, when they collide again, as they do every morning when we wake up, so then we have this process we undergo in order to be, to, to like, to, to merge them or to allow them to kind of plug into each other again in a way that allows for both of them to operate. Because otherwise, when we first wake up, it's like, well, what should win out? The body. A lot of body things in the morning. There's cleaning our bodies. There's going to the bathroom with our bodies. There's feeding our bodies. There's dressing our bodies. All these things are very body-oriented. And so the lack of, a, like, the intensity of the body side and can often uh, win out over the and override the awareness of the underlying truths of existence, the deeper aspects of what it means to clothe ourselves, why we feed ourselves, why it's important to cleanse our bodies and to, to go to the bathroom. These are all things that have uh, deeper underlying mechanics. And so to know those things and to live them as we are actually doing the, the physical things that we're doing uh, to, to have this this um, merging and this this dance of the two sides kind of operating together, that's the whole point of all of the tefillah procedures, all the brachos that we say is to bring our awareness of the underlying layers of these things into into uh, being, into synchrony, into our minds, into our consciousness while we're actually experiencing all these body side things. So that's the balancing act we're trying to create to reorient ourselves towards the both the physical world, the body and all the things that come with it and the world around us, as well as the underlying deeper side of the consciousness and all the things that flow from Hashem uh, in terms of our own personal inner awareness. So we're trying to have those two things operate in synchrony and in tandem when we wake up. 
So in the halachas we're exploring now, we're still in the halachas of Pesukei de Zimra. We're going to skip a little bit in this episode. The last couple of episodes have been focused on the requirements of what you have, to, like what you have to have to be a shaliach tibur, a leader during. Uh, as we're talking about shaliach tibur in general. We, we were in the middle of Pesukei de Zimra for a while, which is stage two of the tefillah process of reorienting, reorienting yourself in the morning, and then we have. Uh, this kind of in-between section, section 53, which is all about a person who is supposed to be, or who can be, the leader of a tefillah group. Because as we've been discussing, we have in the last few episodes, you can go back and check those out if you want to hear more about this. Um, but the idea of having a group of people who are engaging in the process of tefillah, tefillah being defined as, as aligning our inner layers of wantings that we have within ourselves, uh, sort of uncovering them and, and bringing them into alignment with Hashem's wantings, the things we know that Hashem wants and that really we more deeply want because Hashem is actually the root of our very self. So the process of tefillah is about doing that. And so there's a, a way to do that in a group where we can actually have a bunch of people working together to achieve that the, that level of development and inner alignment more extensively by feeding off of each other's uh, makeups, each of each other's um, uh, par- partial perspectives, how each of us sees the world and manifests in the world th- through different filters, slightly different ones or different amounts of the same filters, what are called the spherot. We have these ten different filters we use to manifest ourselves into the world, so we so we can actually. Uh, complement uh, our own setup, our own way of seeing things and manifesting. We can do that by accessing other people around us in a group and then actually trying to become more whole. And we did a pretty extensive discussion of that in the previous episode, so I recommend checking that out. So the next few halachos kind of go along the same lines as the as the ones we just covered in terms of what age you have to be to be the shaliach tibor, to be the leader of such a group, um, and a few other details about that. So we're going to skip a little bit of that because they're kind of just saying the same points, just a little bit more detail. Or meaning new details. Uh, what, if, what if you have a person who is um, who's 20 years old but doesn't have a beard? So a beard is a signifier of a certain level of maturity. But if a person obviously can't grow a beard because of genetic reasons, so or physiological reasons, so then uh, that, that doesn't matter. In other words, he's still considered to be a person who has enough maturity to be a leader. Things like that. Uh, we're going to kind of move past that because we really cover the underlying points that are embedded there. And if you're learning that yourself, I would actually encourage you to uh, try to apply the deeper ideas we shared in the last couple of episodes yourself and try to do the, the purpose of this series on your own. And the, the goal of it is that when you're learning on your own and you're trying to explore these, these halachos by yourself, that you actually let your mind go into the deeper layers in addition to the, the more halachic discussions that are on the page. And the page discusses a lot of technical things and a lot of practical things. You can actually dig underneath that yourself and ask questions about why is this the halacha in terms of the underlying mechanics that we have been articulating in the last couple episodes, specifically about age and about different situations of of leading uh, a group like this. So that's what I would recommend. But we're going to skip now to halacha yur alef, where the subject changes slightly now. And the halacha says here, shaliach tzibur shema'arich betfilaso. You have a, a leader of a tefillah group who is now taking a very long time. In other words, he's he he's saying certain parts of it out loud, and it's taking longer because he's drawing it out. He's making it last longer. kolo arev. If he's doing that because he wants people to hear that he has a beautiful voice. So... So then it says, well, there's a couple of situations that could be going on here. It says, If the reason why he's drawing out his sweet voice is because he's happy in his heart, he has joy in his heart, that he's able to say, to, to, to give hoda, hoda can be defined as, it's usually translated as thanks. We're going to explain it a little more deeply in a second, but this guy is happy. He feels joy inside himself he, that, that he's actually able to um, give thanks to Hashem with a, with, a, with a beautiful voice. 
Tavo alav bracha. Then that's something which is like he's it's it's going to it's going to fill his life with with more of what he wants. His life's going to become what we usually call blessed. In other words, the word blessed doesn't really mean anything, but the idea of being blessed is that you have more of what you want. Your life is filled with things that are positive, things that are what you're what you what you desire. So if you're doing if you're doing that from that place, then you'll that's what'll happen to you. But that's true, assuming that when you're engaging in tefillah, you're doing it with a certain amount of seriousness. But you're, and you're standing there as the leader of this group um, with, with uh, profound reverence for what it is that you're engaging in. So we're going to unpack all this in a second. And then the second half is, If his goal is to make his voice heard, and he's kind of like getting off on, on, his, on his beautiful voice that everybody else can hear what a great singer he is, that's something which is repulsive. Um, and then it ends off, and we call Makom either way, Kol Shemarach Betilaso, somebody who does do this, where they, they take a longer time as the leader of the group, Lotov Osa. Either way, it's really not the right thing to do. Why? Mipnei Torah Hatzibor, because you are, you're delaying the, the group. You're kind of like, you're putting a burden on them with what you're doing, because you're making it uh, take longer than it really needs to. So there's a few things to put, to put together here. So the first one is, there's, there's, there's really three different points I want to bring up. The first point is that uh, the idea of being in the state of tefillah in this way, and that the leader who is doing this, and again, this is what we discussed when we were exploring Pesuket Zimra, a lot of what tefillah is about uh, has elements of hoda'ah in it. Hoda'ah is translated often, again, as saying thank you, but it really also means to admit, and the deeper idea of saying thank you and, and admitting, they're both the same idea, is you're letting, you're essentially letting somebody else in to your process. In other words, um, when I say thank you to you, so what is happening is I was trying to accomplish something and I needed somebody else's help to do it. I couldn't do it on my own. So, but the problem is that we experience ourselves as isolated from each other in a, in a profound way because of our bodies. In other words, our bodies tell us I'm here and this is where I end and begin. There's an outside of this body that's not me anymore. That's just the rest of the world. That's other people. That's whatever else is out there. And so that conveys to us a perception that we are isolated beings. And that perception is not exactly true because although our bodies are, and it's true, they are discrete objects in that way, um, but we are we we are not our bodies. We are much bigger than that. We are a whole set of underlying intangible aspects that are going all the way to the root that is the neshama. And at that place, we are actually one with and 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 merged with and bonded with all other selves that exist in in the world. So what that means is you're not actually alone. And the way that you know the way I like to say it is that like each of us is the same self looking out at the world through different frames of reference. From that from that standpoint, so each of us is actually we're each part of each other. And so, but our bodies convey this perception that we are isolated. And the reason why that happens is because of the Eitz Adas Tovara. The tree of knowledge of good and evil basically gives us the power to create partial perspectives, distorted perceptions of reality that don't describe, that don't identify the entirety of the picture. They just give us partial uh, partial lenses of what's going on. And so if you experience yourself as your body, which we do every day when we wake up, so then what ends up happening is you start to see yourself potentially as isolated from other people and as separate from them. And then that can lead to another follow-through in your emotional experiences and your emotional needs that you want to feel like you are someone. You want to feel like you are strong, that you can actually accomplish and make change happen in the world. And the combination of those two uh, um, uh, th- those two elements of your being can lead to what we call ego and, and the desire to achieve things without having to ask others for help. 
because we intuit that we are separate from others and we experience that through that perceptual lens. And then we also want to achieve and we're like, oh, well, I want to show other people who are my adversaries in a certain way, my opposites, they're other than me, that I can be as good as them, that I can also succeed. And so we don't like asking other people for help sometimes when we have these perceptions embedded deeply enough. So what ends up happening there is that when you actually do have somebody who helps you, so you're trying, you, the, the whole idea of Hoda is letting them in. It's acknowledging that you could not do that on your own and you actually needed somebody else. And not only that, but that somebody else now is let in. What that means is you actually can, can upgrade your perception to see that the other person is in a certain way a part of you, which is why when we do thank people, we often feel better. We feel like a certain release, like I can let myself rely on somebody else. I can let myself lean on someone else sometimes. And that, that's a, it's, a, it's a relief type of, type of feeling from that because we're actually, we're, we're, we're experiencing something which is true, that if we have a strong distance perception, isolationist perception because of our bodies, and each of us has a different amount of that, so then uh, it's, it's very, it's exhausting to actually constantly experience that. So Hoda is about letting somebody else in and then and, and admitting them, literally, you're, you're letting them into yourself uh, and, and saying, I, I not only can I do this on my own, but by experiencing you as, as helping me, so now I, I actually feel more whole in a certain way. And that's what we're, we're also doing here when it says here that if you're, if you're singing, if you're taking a longer time during tefillah as the leader, because you're trying to create this Hoda dynamic where you're actually trying to, to expand your awareness of Hashem as constantly being a part of what, everything that you're doing. So here the halacha says that's 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 something which with the, the the result is tavolav bracha. You'll have a lot of a lot of goodness pouring into your life, which makes sense, right? Because you're doing what you're doing is you're letting in your awareness of Hashem's presence uh, and Hashem and Hashem's um, involvement and and really oneness with yourself. So of course you're going to experience a lot more uh, 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 positive energy in your life. A lot more. You'll also become more aware of all the good things in your life that are already there, and you'll begin to experience the true bracha, the the moreness. Uh, the flow of goodness into your life, so that that's because you're you're actually making yourself into a person who is more open, who is more receptive, who can actually receive from others, and so then of course there'll be more there'll there'll be more opportunities where others will come to you, feeling that from you, and will share with you, and then you'll be able to grow and and, and benefit from them, and and also and give back to them as well. So that's really you're kind of priming yourself to be that kind of person with this kind of hodas. So that's what that that's what that first part is talking about. The second point to mention here is that. The halacha said that, of course, you have to if you're, if you're going to be this kind of this kind of leader, this kind of chazan, and you're and you're taking a longer time, you have to make sure that you're doing it bechovet rosha omed beima that you're doing it uh, with seriousness, and you're standing there beima uveyira means like with with reverence and even some some trepidation, and that's because there is this this element of of awareness of who Hashem is that is like the idea of yira and ema is basically when you're in the presence of somebody that is very very intense uh, relative to you so then that can be overwhelming and so we're, we're saying if you're going to be taking a long time and kind of chilling there so i mean because you're taking longer because you want to increase the hoda um you know dynamic that we just described so you have to make sure that you're constantly bringing up and balancing with that your awareness of the intensity of the context that you're in because it's kind of easy to if you're in a hoda state it's 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 a relaxing state it's like a letting go type of state and so the idea here is to have in in contrast or, or and really we have to often hold opposite en en energies uh in, in our in ourselves when we're engaging in complex situations like this if you're in a relationship let's say with somebody that you're in love with so you know this there's a lot of time for joking and and laughing but you can never lose sight of the seriousness and intensity of the other self, because if you do that, then you end up violating the relationship in many cases. 
So that's what we're talking about here, is that you have to make sure that you are still fully aware of who Hashem is relative to you and the intensity and, and the immensity of what that means, that Hashem is the source of your very self and you are a, a, a subcategory, a, a microcosm of that macrocosmic truth, and to, to have that awareness in the background uh, as you're engaging in the Hoda. That's point number two to mention here. And the, la and the last point is that I think is just super important here is the, the, the ending of the Shulchan Aruch here, which is that if you are... Uh, doing this kind of thing where you're taking a longer time during tefillah as the leader, he says, you really shouldn't do that uh, because what you're doing is you're making a Torah chatzibor. You're actually, you're, you're putting a burden onto the group. And so often we think, we think to ourselves, you know, um, and this is actually something which is unfortunately often said by rabbis and in, in, in shuls and synagogues, um, that uh, there's this idea that like tefillah is everything and like it's the most important thing. Um, and but unfortunately, it's actually true in almost any setting. It's like whatever people are talking about right then, if a rabbi is talking about or a teacher is talking about or a person is just talking about, um, you know, learning Torah. Well, learning Torah is the most important thing. Well, tefillah is the most important thing. Well, making a living is the most important thing. Like there's lots of different things that we feel are the most important thing because the Eitz gives us this capacity to take things that are significant to us and then blow them up in our minds disproportionately and focus on them to the exclusion of other things. So that, that dynamic, that tendency, which is, again, what creates fragmentation, polarization, uh, distorted opinions. So that's, that should be avoided. And the idea here is that tefillah is not the most important thing. It's an important thing in an array of things that are all part of what it means to be alive and to manifest fully as a human being in the world. So the idea that like you, that, well, I'm, I think it's good to make tefillah go for longer. And I've been in, in groups like this where this has happened, where the person who's leading just says to himself, yeah, you know, like if they don't like that I'm taking longer to do this, um, unusually long even, like that's on them because what's wrong with them? Why don't they realize how this is so important? It's because they don't get it. They don't understand how important this really is. And it's possible that your crowd, the group that you're leading, does get that it is really important, but they also get that there are other aspects of life that are also really important. And so it's not super, super clear uh, how you should be deciding and judging those things if you are the leader of a group like that, uh, what should happen? So there's, 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 a set, there's a set amount of time that is normal and logical to create for these types of tefillah groups. And then you should try to stick to that and not say to yourself, well, I'm going to try to show everyone that this is, that this is more important than they think. That's something which could be done through a conversation. Like maybe it should be done in a discussion before the tefillah group actually starts out and discuss, you know, we've been taking about 45 minutes to do this entire tefillah process every day. Uh, maybe we should take a little more time so people actually have time to do X, Y, or Z during tefillah and access certain thoughts and perceptions. That would be a great conversation to have because it also would help people to remember what tefillah is for, uh, which is unfortunately a very big problem nowadays. People think tefillah is asking God for stuff or something like that, when really it's actually a profound process with many, many layers and a whole array of thoughts and, and, and emotions that are supposed to be accessed. So that could be a useful conversation to have, but not like, you know, just in the middle of it that somebody just decides who's the person who's leading decides they want to just take longer um, because they feel that this is the right thing to do. That's actually not okay. And that's what the halacha says here. And the reason for that is because let's just give an example. If somebody then says, well, you know, people are going to be a little late for work now because I'm extending tefillah this way. Well, work's not as important as tefillah. That's actually not true. Your, your livelihood, at, at both, which has two aspects, one is that it keeps you alive, which is already something which is profound. And the second thing is that often our livelihood coincides with our creativity. We usually get paid to be somewhat creative in, according to our own abilities. And that's also a profound and, and actually divine activity to, tra to translate your consciousness into the world and manifest it in a way that creates change at higher states of order. That is the definition of creativity. And that is something which is very profound. So 
that's something which, again, like to, to, to decide something like that or to, and to behave that way, the, the halacha here says you should not do that because to burden the group in that way actually undermines what you're trying to accomplish. It distracts people. It starts to make people feel disconnected because they feel that they're not being taken into account as part of the group. It should be done in a discussion. If there's something which you want to improve in your group, then you should do it as a discussion with the group beforehand or afterward to try to uh, make a plan as opposed to just kind of doing this on the fly in a way that then burdens the group. So I hope that was clarifying. That's halacha yud aleph uh, in siman nun gimel. And uh, again, thanks so much for tuning in, for listening. Looking forward to having you join us for the next episode.